everybody doing this morning? Four or five people doing good. They are. All right. One person in the back is doing real good. That's what I'm talking about. All right, guys. My name is Michael Page. I haven't been here in a couple of weeks um, for good reason. I'll get to that in a second. Um, but if it's your first time here this morning, I want to welcome you to um, Connection Church in Pooler. I'm the campus pastor here, and uh, I, I just love each week I see all these new faces. I was talking to a friend of mine here this morning. Like It's just so cool to see new faces coming in each week, each week to week, just seeing what God's doing in people's lives, seeing, seeing God just work in our community the way he is, and, and uh, I just I love it. And so I really hope the last two weeks you've had a, a really good week. I haven't been here. The last couple of weeks have kind of been hard in my life, uh, maybe, maybe in some of your lives too, because I know school started back, right? Is that right? School started back. For some of your parents, you're like, yes. School started back. I got my life back, right? Um, some people like, are, are still mourning the, the loss of Shark Week. Shark Week's over. Sorry, guys. You know, I, that, was a, that was a big thing for me. I love Shark Week. Um, you know, but honestly, guys, within the last two weeks, actually two weeks and, two, two weeks and three days ago, my life changed forever. Honestly. Um, my wife and I had twins, for those of you who are new here this morning. And we have, we have a picture up here. That's my babies. That's good. That's, uh, that's Braxton and Chloe. That's our, that's our son and, and our daughter. And Savannah and I's life have just been blown up. Because, man, I tell you what, um, I thought I knew what the gospel was like. I don't. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I thought I knew what love was like, man. I, don't, I didn't. Man, I have a whole new appreciation for, for what Jesus did for us on the cross because of what the love that I have for these two babies right here. And, you know, when they entered into the world, minus Savannah's life, everything I knew about love, about life, it crumbled down, man, because I, I cried. I'm trying not to right now. I cried a lot. The hospital, I was like, man, I'm, what's wrong with your husband, ma'am? I'm like, so that's what, that's what it was like. It was like, do we need to take him to the emergency room? No, he's okay. He's just emotional. And so that's kind of how it was for me. I was just emotional about it. And, you know, and what I want to tell you this morning from experience, from this experience right here, that God is faithful, man. God is faithful. He is so, so faithful. And I used to say all the time because I was a pastor that God's faithful. He loves you. I just, that's, that was a cliche from a pastor. But now I'm telling you for a fact, I have rock solid, undeniable proof of God's unbelievable faithfulness in my life. The story of how these twins came about is something I don't have time to share now, but it's, it's a story of faithfulness and God's love, God's redemption, God's just faithfulness to me, man. And I, I just want to tell you right now that wherever you're at, God loves you. God's faithful. He wants the best for your life, no matter where you find yourself at, no matter what circumstance you're in right now. And so I just want you, I just want you to hear that this morning. It reminds me, it reminds me of one of my favorite verses, and I think it might encourage some of you in this, here this morning who may be having a hard time seeing through the trials or the struggles that you may be walking through, that God is faithful. He's faithful always. And not only is he faithful he's, to his children, that's you, but he's also good, right? God's faithful and good. If anybody's doubting that this morning, hear this. It says in Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says no. That word no means to, to take to heart. It's a fact. No. Therefore, that the Lord your God is what? Is God. He's supreme. The faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. How long? To a thousand generations and beyond. That's a long time, guys. And remember, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about in here, we talked about Lazarus. It's been about a month or two ago, but I gave you three points that I want you to hold on to this morning. And each week that you go through life, there's three points. There's God is sovereign. Do y'all believe that this morning? Are y'all awake? Are we good? God is sovereign over all things. There's nothing that escapes his sight. Nothing that escapes it. Nothing, nothing surprises him. The second thing is God is good in all he does. Everything he does, he's good in Everything, he's good. And the last one is he loves you. God loves you relentlessly without fault. That's why he sent Jesus, to make a way for you. 
And I need to remind you this today, that God loves you. He loves you. No matter where you find yourself at, he loves you. And I'm not up here preaching some hyper-grace message because there is, a replace, there is a place for repentance, but God loves you in that place, and it's his kindness that leads us to repentance, right? Right? Are we good this morning? Okay, I need y'all to talk back to me. I'm going to walk off and go, go eat lunch somewhere. All right. Guys, if these three things are true, if God is sovereign, if he's faithful, if he's good, if he loves us, if those things are true, then that's a game changer for you and me this morning. It's a game changer. It changes everything. You know, as you say this each morning, you wake up, you say, God, I know you're sovereign. I know it. God, I know you're, you're, you're good. And God, I know you love me. Those three things will change your life. You're walking through life knowing those three things because guess what? We're emotional people. We're not always going to feel that, right? I mean, we're not going to wake up every morning, God, I know you're sovereign. Uh, you know, no, we question God way too much, right? It's way too much. He's sovereign. He's good. He has it. But listen, if it says in here, if this Bible is what you stand on, you better believe it, okay? We have to stand on what it says in these scriptures. If it doesn't say in here, I don't believe it. If it says in here, I'm going to stand on it because it's rock solid truth. Each week that goes by, guys, I, I get more and more fired up about all that God is doing around us. And I know I say this every week, but I feel like that God is slowly moving us into a pretty cool places of influence as a church. And I'm pumped up about that, and you should be too, because this is not a place for you to just come and sit, but for you to come and be involved and get active in the kingdom of God and the way, way, the way that it's moving around our community. Okay? That's what this church is about. That's what the Big C Church is about. Now, I see him building a foundation of, 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 of people, a family of faith. The, the video you just watched was, a, was, was an evidence, a testimony of, of him building a foundation of people to go out and to, and to spread the gospel, to share the love of Christ with people in their communities. That's what he's building in our life, a family of faith that's centered around his mission and his, for his people, right? It's not centered around his people. It's centered around his mission. Okay, so we have to be people that center around God's mission for his people. And he's showing people that his love is real. Jesus' love on the cross for us is real, and it's tangible, and it's for us to hold on to. It's, our, it's what we have faith in. And it's that, it's that love that pushes us into action for the kingdom, right? The love of Christ compels me is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, Christ's love compels us to move, it moves us because we're convinced that one died for all. So my question this morning, are you convinced that Jesus really died on the cross and rose again on the third day for your sins? Are you convinced? Because if you're convinced, you're going to push forward into the kingdom and see it moving forward because your heart's going to be his heart, right? If you believe that, okay? So hear that this morning. And I believe it's like a wave. Who's ever been to the beach? We got any beach bums in here? Okay, eight or 10, good. All right, beach bumps, good. We got some, it's like a wave. You know, I, as a kid, I used to like to ride the waves, remember? And I used to like, to, uh, y'all remember because y'all weren't there, but like, I used to like to ride the waves, and so I'd look out in the ocean, and you would slowly see a wave coming in. You see it, that's gonna be a good one, right? And then start, you start seeing it crest, and I think that's how God moves. You start seeing God moving in, and he comes and crashes it, and comes out, and it comes back in. That's, how, that's what it's like. And guys, if you don't see this, or if you don't sense this in your spirit, it probably means you need to get more involved. Getting real, all right? It probably means you need to get more involved because it might mean you've been standing on the fringes from the outside looking in. And what we call that in the church is stagnation, becoming stagnant. 
becoming just ineffective and, 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 and blind is what the scripture calls it. And, and maybe, maybe you just haven't surrendered your life to Christ, and that's okay because we're going to give you an opportunity to do that today before you leave. Because I want to, I, it's so important to surrender yourself fully to him to, to, to be able to do what he wants to do in you and through you. If you've been coming here, guys, for, for longer than a few weeks now, and you haven't got plugged in somewhere, it's time. It's time. Because if this is your church home, guys, invest. Lo- love it. Because the church family, that we, wanna, we, we believe that a church is a family that follows after Jesus, that participates in his mission to see his glory reach the ends of the earth. And that starts here and works its way out. It's about taking actionable steps. We believe this place is a place that we come and celebrate all that God's doing outside of these walls, in your community groups, in your, in your, in your prayer time, and what he's doing in your personal life. Celebrate what he's doing around you, not for you to come in here and sit and experience the service. And my prayer and hope is that, that, that you'd find a place here to call home and invest and get plugged into, not just come. And my point I'm trying to make is it's very hard to come to this church and not get involved because our hearts are for people who walk through these doors. They will become active pursuers of Jesus, and that means taking your next step in your faith. And I'm and, and listen, I mean, we couldn't make it any more easier for you to know what our, our, our vision or our mission is. We hit we have a huge banner as you walk into the door, right? You walk right by it every week, connecting people to a growing relationship with Jesus. That's our heart for every person that walks through the door, that you would be connected to a growing relationship with Jesus. That means you're taking actual steps of faith every day, depending on Him to see those steps stepped on solid ground, not for your own strength, but by his strength. And if you fall into the people category, which I hope all of you do, I'm looking at you this morning. Okay, get involved. This morning, we're going to continue in, the, in, um, in our study as we go in through the 412 reading plan. And if you've read this week's reading plan, you know um, we're, we were starting Romans this week. Who's, who's been reading that? Anybody? Good. Three people. Good. So that means that if, if, you know, if you know we're stepping into Romans, you know that means you've already discovered that the weightiness of this book, right? The depth of this book is heavy, but it's also very simple. We could preach a year study out of Romans, if you want me to be honest with you. I could preach for an entire year and not get through it because it's so deep, but it's also very simple. Listen to this. I shared this with Savannah last night. I was reading Martin Luther's commentary on Romans, and this is what Martin Luther says. Okay, he says, it is worthy not only that every Christian should know it word for word by heart, but also that he should occupy himself with it every day as the daily bread of the soul. He's saying that we should memorize Romans. That's on another level, brother. I'm telling you, that's what it's about. But I told someone, I was like, what's in my life that's distracting me from keeping me from doing stuff like this, you know? But listen, that's what it's about consuming that. So as we pray, we're going to go ahead and open your Bibles to Romans chapter 6 if you want to. And, um, and I'll pray for us and then we'll get going. But Father God, we love you. God, we just ask you to come be with us this morning. God, you've already promised in your word that you would be with us, Father. I pray that you would just soften hearts this morning, Father, to the reading of your word, to the preaching of the gospel. God, I pray that if there's someone here this morning that is far from you, that they would be brought near. I pray that you would break hearts where they're being, uh, where, where we need to surrender. I pray that, Father, that you would just heal places that need to be healed. Father, I pray for spiritual awakening throughout this congregation, throughout this city, throughout this state, throughout this country, Father, throughout the world. God, that you would just um, just step into a place in our hearts, Father, that, that, that we would just see who you for who you truly are, God. We just love you. In your name I pray, amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, like I said, we're turning to Romans chapter 6, and it's so important that you have your Bibles, so important. And I want to ask you a question. Do you trust me this morning? Okay, you trust me. Okay, good. 
I want to give you a promise, a promise that I've found to be 100 and 100%. Can't go above that, I guess. So 100% true. 100%. It's, and it's this. Anytime we open this Bible, anytime we hold this book in our hands, anytime, there's an opportunity for God to radically change your heart and your life. Is that right or wrong? That's correct. Remember that. Anytime you open this book, open your heart to its contents and your mind to its truth, and you'll never remain the same. There's hope in these pages. There's hope. There's truth. There's power in these words. Bring this book to church. Bring it. Don't depend on your cell phone. I mean, it's fine, but like, bring the word of God to church, to work. Everywhere you go, bring the word and read it. Stand on this. Stand on this word because it's the word of life, of truth, and it would not ever, ever, ever return void. It would never, ever, ever lead you astray. Do you believe that? Okay. All right. Starting here. Here we go. I, I've been very open with you guys about my Baptist heritage, right? Right? I said I'm a recovering Baptist. I've said it a million times, right? So and I'm not going to lie. I, I, I'm very proud of it. I'll be honest with you. I'm proud of the, how I was raised. I was raised in church on the seventh day. I was in, in, I was in church. I was on the pew. All these kind of things. And so, uh, you know, and I've always said that if you take a Baptist church and a charismatic church and you slam them together, you'd have the perfect church because you'd have the discipleship. You'd have the, you'd have the freedom of the spirit. You'd be, I mean, you'd just be perfect, you know. But I, it's, that's my opinion. That's not biblical, okay? So, but I, I'm proud of it. And the one thing I've always noticed about my Baptist family was their church sign game was always strong, right? Who's ever written about a, you know, church signs? Like, you know, you know, all these church signs, like, well, that was, that, was, that was weird, you know? But let's, let's turn around and take a picture of that one, you know, send my friends. You know, it was always strong. And I want to preface this, but I know that this, this signage gifting is not um, limited to my Baptist friends or my the Baptist denomination. But this is, this is just my illustration of my experience. So just go with it, okay? This is it's mine, Okay. So I want to give you some examples. How about that? Do you like pictures? Got one. Here we go. This is good. The first one. Do you get this? Do you get it? Is it on there? That's... All right. That's true, right? That's very true. Very true. Pun intended. Here we go. What's about the next one? Right. We get this one. Is it up there? Say, walk, walk, walk. All right, all right, listen, one thing that, and listen, I, 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 love, I love these. I, I take pictures of them, send them to my friends. It's funny, right? So, but like, listen, I, one thing that described me as an early Christian as I was going to a Baptist church in Brooklyn, Georgia, as I was growing up in another Baptist church in Neville's, Georgia, a little small little town, and as I went to college, one thing that described me is I always knew the right things to say, Christian-wise. I knew Christianese very well. Um, I knew how to pray prayers. I knew what to do. Um, I knew how to look good for my parents and for my friends. I knew how to do all those things. I could say an incredible prayer to get all kind of amens. I, I mean, I could do it, son. I could, I, could, I could shuck the corn is what my father-in-law says. I could pray some prayers. I could do the things. But one thing was wrong. I was lost. I was lost. I could do all the right things, but I was lost. That's what, and one day in the back of my head as I was praying, you know, I was, I was sitting there thinking, you know, I feel like the Lord put it in my heart. It's like, Lord, there's got to be more. I was deceiving myself. I'd been deceiving myself thinking that all these things that I had done was going to save me. And that's not true at all. And what, I, what I'm looking at is one thing that I'm looking at is this week we're going to look at one of the biggest misconceptions that people have about sin and about salvation. And that's that sin, or excuse me, that's that salvation is just forgiveness. And that the gospel is just God's agreement to wipe our sin away, right? 
That's, that's what we're going to talk about. And you, you, maybe you've heard the phrase in some of the evangelistic like television shows, or maybe you've heard an evangelist say before, if you die today, or if you die tonight, or if you die this morning, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? You ever heard that question? Right? We've heard that question. As if that's the only, if that's all the gospel is concerned about is the answer to that question. Right? That's, that, that's, there's more to it. And today I want, to, I want us to see that the gospel not only gives us freedom from the penalty of our sin, which allows us to enter heaven once we die, hallelujah, but it also delivers us from the power of sin right now. That's good. That's good news. It delivers us from the power of sin now, not just giving us entry into heaven. And, and you know, as we live for Jesus every day, it gives us deliverance from the power of sin so we don't have to serve it as a master anymore. That's good news. That's good news. It's not just forgiveness. It's not just forgiveness. It's the power for new life right now. New life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. The question the evangelist shouldn't be asking is, if you die today, but it's also, if you wake up tomorrow, how is your life going to look different because Jesus is in it? Right? That's what it's about. How's your life going to look different tomorrow because you woke up and the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, working himself out, working the salvation out of you into the world? How's that going to look? How does that look? What Romans 6 revealed to me as I was studying this week is that many followers of Jesus do not have a clear understanding of the gospel and what it means for their life and for those around them. That's what I've learned. And as I'm reading this, I'm like, man, I wasn't taught this stuff. You know, cultural Christianity is what I was taught, right? The things that were very palatable, things that were easy to hear, things that, were, things that didn't offend people, right? And that, but that's not the gospel. You know, cultural Christianity has given us this, this warped sense of, of what the gospel is, what it requires, and what it produces in us. You know, we don't speak gospel languages in most churches today. We don't speak the gospel language, kingdom language. We don't speak those things because it's, it's, it, it, we don't understand it. It makes us feel uncomfortable, so we don't talk about it. So we talk about sports. We talk about the weather. We talk about different things. But we have to get back to talking about kingdom. In the Bible, Jesus talks about kingdom from Matthew to John 79 times. Kingdom. Do we hear that from pulpits very often? No. Listen, the kingdom of God, the, the gospel language, and, and we, we need to be hearing that. We get stuck in this confused cycle of thinking, and we lose track of, of who we are in Christ. Because if we don't know who we are in Christ, we're going to lose track of our purpose, right? We're going to lose track of the power that we possess through the gospel, through the Holy Spirit, and our purpose in the kingdom. And sometimes we're even unsure of if Jesus even really likes us, much less loves us. Who's, who's fought through that season of condemnation where I don't even know if God loves me? I don't even know if, I don't even know if I, I'm a sound, I don't even know I'm sure if I'm saved anymore. I've done too much. Who's fought through that? Some of us? Just me. Okay, so uh, y'all pray for me then. Here we go. Satan, guys, is a deceiver. He is a deceiver. He wants to deceive you into thinking that you're not safe. You have no power. You're, you're worthless. There's nothing there for you. Jesus doesn't, he, nothing. He's a deceiver. And, and what you need to hear is when you ask someone today in our culture what the gospel is, a large number of people, even in churches, will start with the plan of salvation. That's great, but that's not the gospel, Right? That's how, you, that's how you get the God. Uh, listen, it's they start with a plan of salvation. What we did to get saved, not the gospel. Right? What, how, I, how I accepted Christ, how I asked him into my heart, how I did this, how I did that. 
It's not the pronouncement of the finished work of Jesus Christ, Christ's work in us, not you, not me, not our work. It's his work. That's the gospel. It's about him, not me. It's what he's done, not what I've done. I'm I'm just a, I'm just, I, I inherited it through Jesus. Thank God, right? It's nothing that I've done. Like, this is the gospel. Listen, this is the gospel as simple as I can put it out. It's the good news that Jesus Christ, the righteous one of heaven, opened the doors of eternity and came to earth. He lived a perfect life, died a criminal's death in my place for my sins, and then rose again. That's good news, right? He defeated death. He is eternally triumphant over his enemies so that there is now no condemnation for anybody who believes in him. That word believes means you cling to it. You rely on it. You wholly hold on to that word that he's died for you and he's rose again, he's taken your sins to hell and defeated it. You hold on to that. that. There's no condemnation but only everlasting joy because he's your treasure. He's your prize. Nothing can take him away. And if nothing can take him away, there's joy there, right? Joy, joy. But when you ask an average person in the church, you'll hear phrases like, I made a decision to follow Jesus, or I asked Jesus into my heart. I found, I found Jesus as if he was lost somewhere. Um, <clears throat> I gave my life to Christ, or I, I decided to follow Jesus. And somebody says, I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm like, oh, did you? Because I think in John 6, it says that no one comes to Jesus except the Father decides and draws you. Listen. There's technically, those statements are true. That's how some people, that's how we come to Christ. We, we surrender. We surrender our life to Christ. We, sur- we give up control. We give it to him. But it, it puts, a, those words put a, a root of self-reliance in our hearts as we walk these things out, which turns into pride. And there's too many eyes in those statements. Too often, our understanding of justification is it, achieved by me doing something in order to get into a right relationship with God. That's wrong. That's not how justification is done. It's justification is a free gift. Gift. It's a gift gifted to us by God, by grace, apart from anything or anything anybody can ever do, anything that I can do. And that's how we're justified. God saves. He rescues. He redeems. He doesn't wait for us to get through our checklist on Sunday morning to get things, to get to him. Literally, 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 all we have to do is surrender to him our lives, trust his word, and obey is leading. That's it. Surrender, trust, obey. And even this happens as a response to him and not as a, a means to receive. That's not what it's about. And if we think we're responsible, this, this is where it gets kind of funny, is if we think we're responsible for our justification or us being saved by our deciding or our doing, what does that say about how we think we become sanctified? Do you know what I mean? How we become more like Christ. Do I become more like Christ because of things that I do? Not at all. No, by you deciding, by me deciding and committing. An example, what if, what if you have a sin problem in your life? What if you're, what if you're stuck in an addiction to pornography or you're stuck in a relationship that's ungodly or you're stuck to, to drugs or different things? How do you deal with that sin problem? If you think you have a problem or if you think you have the power to change it, you'll decide, I'm gonna commit to change. I'm going to white knuckle this thing until it is done. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to read more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to go to church more. But guess what? All you're going to do really in reality is jump into a cycle of sin and condemnation so fast that you won't know what hit you. That's what happens when I try harder. It's about surrendering our desires, our dreams, our goals, our hopes, our sins at the foot of the cross of Jesus and leaving them there forever. Leaving them there. Don't pick them back up. All we need to do is rest in the work that he's already done. 
It's done. It's finished. That's what he said on the cross. It is done. It's finished. If we believe we're saved by our own efforts, guys, we're going to constantly go on our own strength instead of resting in the finished work of the gospel. And our strength will never be enough. Never be enough. Are y'all with me here? Your strength will never be enough. And on the other hand, if we believe that God saved us by his power, apart from anything that we've done, we'll constantly cling to him for life and rely on gospel promises to sustain us. That's what we have to have. When we go through troubles, when we go through addiction, when we go through trials, when we go through marriage struggles, when we go through all these things, we run to him for strength, for power, for, for sustenance, for, for life, for vitality. We don't, we don't go to ourselves because we fail ourselves every time. The gospel is the power of God for salvation, but it's also what sustains us in times of need. And we have to keep going back to the gospel over and over again. If we're justified by the work of God in the gospel, by his work, we're also sanctified, becoming more like Christ by God and his work through the gospel, right? Are we, are we, are we agree with that? I love how J.D. Greer says it. He says, growth in, the, growth in Christ never go, is going beyond the gospel but going deeper into the gospel. Never going beyond it, but going deeper. The purest waters from the spring of life are found by digging deeper, not by digging wider into the gospel. Deeper, go deeper, go in deeper with the Lord. Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorites. The, the gospel is like a caged lion. It doesn't need to be defended. It simply needs to be let out its cage. I like that a lot. Just let it out its cage. And that's Romans, guys. This is Romans, the gospel. It's, 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 it's opening, Paul is opening the cage of the gospel. It's pure and it's simple. The Romans, they, they had, there was a very diverse church there. And the, if you look, this, this book in Romans is, the, is probably the plainest statement of the gospel in the New Testament. If you want to know what the gospel is, read through Romans every, every week. Just read through Romans. You'll learn so much about the gospel. And Paul wrote it so clearly and deeply to the Roman church because there was such a diverse community of believers there that consisted of Jews and Gentiles where there was theological debates were going on all the time about God's covenants, about the law, and about salvation. And Paul wanted to make sure that the Roman church understood the gospel. And this is my heart this morning for you, for our church, for the, for the world, is that, that we would understand the gospel because when we understand the gospel, it's a game changer, right? It's a game changer. It changes our life. So look at this. I believe Romans can be summarized into two verses from chapter 1. I, I believe it. Romans 1, 16 through 17. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is what? Say this with me. It is the power of God that brings salvation. One person said it. That's good. To everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And the message of the gospel, guys, is that human beings are born into sin and slavery, but Jesus Christ came to set us free. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe it? That's what it's about. You've been fully convinced. If you have a child that's four months or older, you know about this sin thing, right? Right? You've, you've seen some uh, toys being stole. You've seen some punches being thrown. You've seen all kind of stuff, temper tantrums. Sin is, an, is, 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 is born into us because of Adam. You see, you see that indwelling sin start coming as a child starts getting older. And Paul is looking at that sin and saying to the Romans, you need to be justified. You need justification because of sin. I'm going I'm to give you a quick overview. <clears throat> Romans 1, 
The Gentiles are in need of justification because they're sinful apart from the law. Romans 2, the Jews are in need of justification because they're sinful under the law. Romans 3, we all need to be justified because we're all sinful men. And God has made a way through a person in the work of Jesus Christ. In Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? All men need to be justified. Jews and Gentiles are on the same field at this point. Romans 4, we see that all of this is applied by faith, not by works. Verses 4 through 5 in Romans 4 says, now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. So if you're working for it, it's not a gift anymore, right? If I'm working for my salvation, it's not a gift. It's something you're expecting God to do. A plus B equals C. I'm working. That's the American way. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited to them as righteousness. Faith leads to righteousness. And then Romans 5. We see that justification is given by grace. And we see verses like where there's sin, where sin increases, grace increases all the more. And then that's where we see Romans 6 pick up. It says, Paul answers some of the overarching questions playing out in people's minds that if grace is initiated by sin, then why don't we sin more so that grace may abound? That's a, that's a selfish thought, right? But, it's, it, but we've all struggled with that thought. I can do this because I'm under grace. I can walk in this because I'm under grace. God's forgiven me. God's given me more grace. He'll give me more grace. He'll give me more grace. But what a selfish thought, right? So let's read this together. Romans 6, verses 1 through 14 together. We're going to read this, and I want to talk about something really quick, and we'll be done. It says this, what shall we say then? Since there's grace, what shall we say? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? The King James Version says, God forbid. There's an exclamation mark there. God forbid, by no means. He's not whispering here. He's, he's, he's pumped up. By no means. How can you even think that? How can you even think that we should go on sinning? We're, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of, a, all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. That's a picture of baptism. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know, know that our old self was crucified with him. Why? So that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. The body ruled by sin might be done away with. You don't have to bow to its, its, as a master anymore. You're done with it. Where am I at? <clears throat> Sorry. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Okay, somebody dealing with cancer, somebody dealing with some kind of disease, when they die, are they still dealing with that? No, they're done. You've died to sin. You're done with it. Spiritually dead to sin. Here we go. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Listen to this. In the same way, that points back to verse 10. In the same way, just like Jesus did, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Dead to sin, alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God to those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him 
as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. And I want to give you two very quick truths this morning that Paul wants us to see in this scripture. The first one is you cannot be alive to Christ until you're dead to your sin. You can't be alive to Christ until you're dead to yourself. Until you're dead to yourself, you cannot be alive to Christ. Romans 6, it says, <clears throat> where we need to count ourselves as dead to sin. And when you do, God infuses the power of new life into us. And here's the process. Here, here's how it works out. We put our faith in Christ and as a substitute for our sin. Well, what's faith? Well, I'm glad you asked. Right, Hebrews 11, it says that Hebrews 11, it says, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance the assurance of what we do not see. The assurance of what we do not see. God counts our faith as righteousness. Our faith is righteousness. Y'all see that? Oh, I know my voice is going, but y'all see that? Y'all good? You can't yell no more. Whew. All right. But the problem, guys, is this. Hear this. The problem for so many people is that we're playing games with Jesus by using grace as a means to get what we want, to sin when we want. We're using Jesus in a way that we want sin and we want salvation. You know what that's called? No, that's called using Jesus like a prostitute, right? We go get what we want and then we walk away. We go back and get what we want and then we go do our own life. That's not surrender. That's called prostitution and that's wrong. Jesus wants a surrendered life. I say, I say they but I can also use pronouns like you and me, right? Like, I, I do those things. I, I follow those things. Romans 13, verse 14 says, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Think about him, what he's done, not what I can get or what I can be or what I, what I want. Think about him. Clothe yourselves. Every morning you get up, I hope you put clothes on, right? Right? I hope. I do. Thank God. And in the same way, put on Christ. Put on Christ every morning, every day, every night. Put on Christ. Walk with him through that. And that's not a one-time thing. It's a daily confession of repentance and confession, agreeing with God and turning away from sin and running, literally running to the cross over and over and over and over. God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you. Father, please. Guys, if, if we're in Christ, like, listen to this. If we're in Christ, 1 John says we literally can't go on sinning. I used to read that and be like, oh, crap, I, I'm, I'm in trouble. It says if we're in Christ, we can't go on sinning. What that means is we're not going to live in sin. But we'd be sickened by our sin because, it's because of our love for Jesus. And we need to realize that the being dead to sin is more about separation than extinction because while you're living on earth, we're going to be plagued by this thing called sin. But we're separated from it by the death of Jesus on the cross. We don't have to bow to it anymore. That's what it's saying. Let me stop here for really quick. Do you understand the power and the potential God gave you when he put you into Christ? Shake your head no, because you don't. You don't. I, it's something we learn every day. We need to understand that. There's power and potential to live a new life. Not just one where you're just getting by. God said he came to give us life and life abundantly to, to see new things come out of us. Christianity is not about turning over a new leaf. I'm gonna be better today than I was yesterday. 
And that's, that's AA. Okay, I mean, listen, God's came to change you from the inside out. Change you. It's, it's, a, it's power for a new life. Have you experienced that? Be real this morning. If you may be a, a Christian for, since you were eight years old, but have you experienced new life? Regeneration. Have you seen newness come out of your life? You know, some people are looking for so little when it comes to salvation. They just want inner peace or to feel like their lives matter. Some are just looking for a get out of hell free card. Nobody wants to go to hell, right? Nobody. Like, I, I, check that box. I'm not going to hell. Now I can live like hell on earth while I'm waiting to go to heaven. No, not how it works. If you don't love Jesus on earth, you're going to be really disappointed in heaven. I'll tell you that right now. Like he'll give you all those things, but it's so much more than that. Union with Christ, it means that everything that is true about Jesus is now legally and spiritually true about you if you're in Christ. You've not only got this perfect record, but you've got the power of resurrection living inside of you is what it says in Ephesians. Eternal life is not just a length of time that you get to live, but a quality of life that he gives you starting right now. Like right now, now. Eternal life is about, starts now. Positionally, you've gone from death to life. And that doesn't change how you see the potential of your life. We're, we're missing it. There's joy that comes with that. Joy, joy, joy. The joy of the Lord is our what? Strength, strength. What does Satan want to do? Steal your joy. If he can steal your joy, he can steal your strength. If he can steal your strength, he can steal your testimony. Listen, this morning, you have to hear that. And here's a fact that can only be experienced and not explained. I can only tell you this so that you can experience it. I can't explain it to you, okay? There's no brokenness, no corruption. The worst person in ISIS, the, the worst sin that you've ever committed. No matter what in you, that the power of his cross of the resurrection cannot remove. None. It can heal it. It can redeem it. Okay? And that leads me to my second and last point. For that to happen, give yourself completely to God. Give yourself completely to God. Stop holding on to the, to the comforts of this world. I like what it says in verse 13 in chapter 6. It says, offer every part of yourself to him. Why? Because he satisfies every part of you. He satisfies every part of your life. Everything that you think you need, he satisfies every area. There's nothing he can't satisfy. Listen, there's no room for lukewarm Christianity in the kingdom of God. There's no room for it. Revelation 3 says it makes God sick. It turns his stomach. There's too much ground to take and too much work to be done to be half in and half out. Too much. You know, it reminds me of what Joshua says to the Israelites. He says, choose this day who you'll serve. He says, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So today I want to ask you to choose. Who will you serve? The Lord or this world? The Lord or yourself? Who? Following Jesus means you're moving away from sin and you're moving towards God. You're not stuck in this middle ground where you're being tug tugged on each side. That's not what you're doing. That, that, a lot of people stay here. That's why you see depression in, in the church. That's why you see devastation in the church because you love sin, but you can't enjoy it because you know Jesus. You love Jesus, but you can't enjoy him because you love sin. And so you're stuck in the middle. Say no to sin. Walk towards Jesus. That's what it's about. Listen, listen. This means Jesus is on the throne of your life and you're not. This means Jesus, 
He is Lord of your life. You're not. This means Jesus is ordering the steps of your life, the, the affairs of your life, and not me anymore. It's him. He's in control. I'm not. But we walk around acting like I have some kind of power, right? We walk around like we have the control. Like I get this job. I pay my bills. I do all these things. I have a wife. I have kids. I'm successful. That's not what determines success at all, period. Like Jesus, Jesus, Romans 6.13 is revealing to us that something will always be sitting on the throne of your heart. Something will be on the throne of your heart. Y'all agree with that? Something's going to be on the throne. Every day, you're going to present yourself, the members of your body, in service to that thing. Every day, you're going to present it. You're going to come before it. You're going to worship it. It'll get, it'll get your time. It'll get your money. It'll get your thoughts. It'll get your concerns, your worries. Something is at the center of your heart. Something commands your obedience. It's whatever is most important to you. Whatever you feel like you have to have to be fulfilled or happy. Is it a husband? Is it a wife? Is it kids? Is it a drug? Is it pornography? Is it an alcohol? What is it? What is it that you feel like you have to have to be happy? Whatever you feel like you can't live without, that thing controls you. You hear that? It controls you. It controls you, and functionally, that thing is your master. It's your master. It, 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 it's what rules your life. And I pulled out four things. There's probably millions. I pulled out four things in my life that I've struggled with that, that, I, that I see a lot of times in the church that kind of goes unnoticed. We kind of turn a blind eye, to it, blind eye to it and say, that's just normal. That's, that's just humanity. That's, that's crap is what that is. We, we were supposed to walk in freedom of sin. We're dead to it. The first one's power. Some people are here to love power. We're driven by it, by the, the desire for influence and recognition. I want power. I want power. I'm a boss. I'm, I, I lead people. Look at me. Right? We like power. The second one's control. Step on some toes. That's fine. If you don't want to admit it, listen. Control. Control. Some people long to have everything go according to their plan. Who has a problem this morning? With worship? Uh, things don't go as we plan all the time. God orders our steps, right? Proverbs 16, 9. God orders our steps. Control. Third is approval. Who lives for other people's approval? I struggle with that sometimes. What do they think about me? What does he or she think about me? What am I willing to give up for a guy or a girl? Am I willing to give my purity up? Am I willing to give my money to serve a false God? What am I doing in my life? Approval. Giving those things up for the approval of others. The, the fourth thing is comfort. Some of us long for pleasure. Whether that's sexual pleasure, eating, just creature comforts. We live in America. It's easy to find them, right? Comfort. Is comfort our God? Is what, is what, we, is what we worship? Do we seek comfort or we seek God? Because one thing I know is serving Jesus is going to put you in some very uncomfortable situations. And, I, I, and I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I pray every day that you'd find discomfort so that you can lean on Jesus. That's what I pray for our church. We'll be uncomfortable in our skin so that God can give us strength. So Paul began this discussion in Romans 6 with a question. If we're really saved by grace as a free gift, should we just go on sinning? Like and well, we have an unlimited spiritual budget, a credit card to sin that just cover, it covers our sin. That grace just covers us. Paul says what? God forbid. God forbid. Why? He says if we have died to sin, how can we live in it any longer? What he's saying is if you're saved, if you're a follower of Jesus today, 
look me in the eyes, be a follower of Jesus. What this is saying is if you are a follower of Jesus, you cannot physically, comfortably live in sin. You're going to sin because you're a sinner, but you not, you're not under its power anymore. Okay? Listen, that's what it's about. If we've died to sin, how can we live it any longer? Because sin is a trajectory that leads to death. It's a trajectory. It's a, it's a direction. And if we've really repented, we won't want to put us on, our, on that path. And if, we've, if we're on that path, Paul would beg the question, have you really repented? Have you really repented? Because I talked about it earlier. I said, God loves you, right? He sent his son to die on the cross for you, right? We talked about that. It's free. What's required of us is believe and repent. Saying, Jesus, you're right. I'm wrong. Forgive me for my sin. That's what it's about. Repent. If you look at salvation as only a get out of hell free card, you're probably never really repented, God, for your sin. Repentance means metanoia in the Greek. It means a change of heart, a change of nature. Change, it's a, it's a different person. <clears throat> I told Eric, I asked Eric last night if I could use this as an example. If you've ever heard Eric in Bridges' testimony, it's amazing what God's done in their life. Um, if you don't know who I'm talking about, we'll introduce you later. But I always tell him, I was like, man, I think you're joking about how you used to be because I only know this Eric. I only know the Eric that was godly and he preaches the gospel from the stage boldly. And he, and he loves his family, he loves me, he loves his friends and he's a connect group leader. And he's like, I used to do this and this and I'm like, what? No, that's crazy. There's been regeneration. There's a different person than is now. It's different, there's regeneration has happened. A new path has happened. Repentance puts you on a new path. You're on this path of sin. Repentance puts you on a new path. And this morning, guys, as we're closing, I feel like we've become, as a nation, numb to the gospel. Numb to the gospel. But it's terrifying me. It scares me half to death because Jesus in my place should astonish and wow me every morning that I wake up. The gospel is, is the power of God that brings salvation. It's power. And listen, have you seen the gospel? That, that what Jesus has done to change your life, have you seen it with your eyes? Has, it, has the eyes of your heart been awakened? Has it worked its way deep into your heart? Does it affect the way you live? Or is it just an add-on? I go to church on Sundays. Is that all it is? Or is it going to affect the way you have conversations with people, the way you treat your family, the way that you treat yourself, the way that you follow Jesus and love others? And listen, I, I'm terrified to share this sometimes because I asked Savannah last night, she said, you just need to be bold, so I'm gonna be bold. And what keeps me up at night, guys, is the possibility that I preach to people here or anywhere that think they're saved who may not be. That terrifies me, scares me half to death, who hear this message of the gospel and all they're thinking about is someone else that needs to hear it and not themselves. That terrifies me. It rips my heart out and listen, Satan has deceived so many people thinking, because they walked an aisle of their grandma's church when they were eight years old, they're saved. And he's deceived them and saying, you prayed, a, you prayed a prayer with the pastor at the altar, so you're saved. Listen, none of those salvation strategies are in the scripture, by the way. Listen, it's about turning to him, repenting of your sins and following Jesus. You may have done those things, but the proof in the, is the fruit of the regeneration. The proof is in the fruit of your regeneration. Are you a new person? Have you gone from death to life? Because the difference in death and life is, is, is crazy, right? Like you were dead, you weren't breathing, you were smelly, and now you're alive and you're clean and it's awesome. Like death to life, totally different. That only means 
The only means of salvation, guys, there will ever be is Jesus Christ. The only means salvation there will ever be is Jesus Christ. Trusting him, leaning, clinging, holding tightly to. Forgiveness of sins and a right standing before God come freely through him alone by faith alone. Surrendering your life to his control and following him as he leads. I want to ask you this morning, have you done that? Have you truly done that? Are you leaning on Christ this morning? Are you leaning on something else? Are you leaning on your comforts, on your security, on your bank account, on your job, on your relationship? Because all those things will pass away, but Jesus won't. This morning, if you've never accepted Christ, if you've never accepted that He is Lord and you're not, if you never surrender and said, God, your way, not mine, if you've never said, Lord, I, I repent of my sins, I'm done. Father, save me. I want to be a new creation. I want to be new. If you've never done that, and, and, uh, and if you want to do that this morning, we want to pray with you. And we want to walk with you through that, not just this morning, but through your whole journey of taking your next steps. And I just want you to be bold this morning. If that's you, I, would you raise your hand so that we can pray with you? Get through. Amen. 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 Thomas, would you mind praying? Is anybody else? Anybody else this morning? Listen, if your heart's racing 100 miles an hour, it probably means I'm talking to you. That's probably, probably what it means. Is anybody else here this morning? Okay. Well, listen, I know I realize there's a lot of Christians in here as well who have been walking kind of a shaky line. Guys, come to this altar this morning and lay it down. Lay it down here, and we'll sweep it up later and throw it away, okay? It's all good, okay? We love you. We want to pray with you. We want to walk with you. And so let me pray for you, and then we, um, we're going to sing a song, and then we'll leave. So, Father God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done this morning. We thank you for, uh, for the two people who um, went from death to life this morning, God. I, I thank you. I praise you. And never gets old seeing someone um, just receive salvation, Lord. We love you. We just want to honor you, God. We just praise you for who you are. And it's your name we pray.